0: Please join me in prayer. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own. That hearing, we may also obey your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on me slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: God. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from John's Gospel, the 11th chapter. I'm reading portions of that chapter, not the whole 45 verses. For the last two Sundays, they've been very extensive and lengthy scripture passages. But this Sunday, I'm doing portions of this one to get the emphasis of what is in the passage so John 11 verses 1 through 5 they will pick up in verse 20 and then again at 33 listen now for God's word now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair her brother Lazarus was ill So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though, Jesus loved Mary and her sister Martha and Lazarus. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And then the verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not, he who opened the eyes of the blind man not kept this man from dying? Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. So that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Then the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, they believed in this is the word of the Lord. I am Jesus God. I've mentioned before how hard it is to figure out sermon titles. Titles that are chosen early in the week may or may not have any connection to where the sermon ends up. And I also wonder if people really even notice about the sermon titles. So it's always kind of a question for those of us that preach on a regular basis But this week, I'm struck about the appropriateness of today's sermon title, Living or Dying. It seems to me that that has been the theme in the entire world for the past several weeks, with the onslaught of COVID-19. It's all the news with over a half a million people infected at this time, and now the U.S. has the highest number of infected persons than any country in the world. We all wonder, will we contract the virus? And then if we do, will we live or will we die? About a year before I retired, I went into therapy. I went into therapy for a couple reasons, because I was clueless about retirement. Having worked all my life, I knew nothing different. I'd seen so many people who retired and were lost in a couple of months of what to do with themselves. Their honeydew lists were only so long and some folks just could not make it. They became depressed or lifeless. They became without purpose. So part of my therapy was what was I going to do and what was I going to be in retirement. But the other purpose of the therapy was to work on the issue of mortality. Sounded rather strange coming from a minister, but I realized I had dealt with the deaths of lots of other people, but never dealt with my own death. And it was time to work through and grapple with how I viewed life and what life was going to be all about when the, quote, vocation was no longer center stage. It was a grand experience to deal with these two life changes, and I'm convinced that anyone who has any notion of retiring in the next couple of years needs to find a counselor. Because retirement becomes a critical phase of one's life. It's like a third of our lives. It's a great portion of life that needs to be lived fully. The pandemic has forced all of us to face up to our own mortality. It has forced all of us to change our normal patterns of daily living. It's reminded us that we're often not the determiners of our future. It's reminded us that we're not invincible, and some things are just simply out of our control and mastery. It's also called us to be accountable with our behaviors and our practices, and our responsibility for our health and for our well-being as well as that for others. It's been an incredible wake-up call like no others for the United States of America as well as for the world. And when you add to the health crisis, the economic impact, all of us will be affected, even if we're never infected. It is a chilling time. It was a chilling time for Martha and Mary and Jesus when Lazarus became ill and when he died. This story gives us insights into the character and personality of Jesus that we often just don't see. Jesus had them was very close to this family. They were good friends, and they enjoyed each other's company. And we're told some things about Jesus that we often don't hear. We're reminded in verse 2 that Mary had anointed Jesus with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair when he had visited with them previously. In verse 3, it says, Jesus loved Lazarus, for the message from the sisters was, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Verse 5 declares, Accordingly, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 33, Jesus was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Verse 35, Jesus began to weep. Verse 38, Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. There's a side of vulnerability and openness and deep abiding love of Jesus for this family and especially for Lazarus. It is very touching and extremely personal. But is not that who Jesus is? We loudly proclaim that Jesus is both human and divine, But I think it takes a story like this one to put real meaning to the fact that Jesus was a human being. He had feelings. Jesus had emotions. Jesus was a real friend to this family. He cared deeply about them, and this story illustrates that reality. How personal is Jesus in your life? How vulnerable are you willing to be to this person called Jesus? How close will you let Jesus be to you, or do you need to keep him at a distance? Dan Bagby, the former pastoral care professor at the Baptist Theological Seminary at Richmond, identified four qualities of friendship in the work he did through the years with various groups and organizations. He said, a friend is someone who accepts you as you are. A friend is faithful to you in all circumstances. A friend can be honest with you in a caring and kind way. A friend listens to you and comforts you when you're distressed. When I read these qualities which are identified as what it means to be a friend, if they don't describe Jesus, I don't know what does. Now, to be honest, I've been a bit squeamish when I'll talk about Jesus being my friend or being my bud or being my BFF. And the reason is that I often think of Jesus as being Lord of my life, not my best buddy, someone who holds me accountable, someone who has demands on my life. Yet maybe I have discounted too much this human side of Christ. Maybe I've discounted what Jesus did in this story about Lazarus. Maybe I have held Jesus at arm's length so he could not get too close. But it seems to me that is Jesus' desire, to be close, to be an honest friend, to be a real friend to us. For Jesus accepts us even when we cannot accept ourselves. Jesus is faithful to me in all circumstances. His promises are never broken or abandoned. Jesus is honest with me and holds me accountable, but in a caring and kind sort of way. Jesus listens to me and hears my prayers even when I'm not clear what I'm praying about, nor sure of what I need. What else would you want beside you? Who else would you want beside you in the time of a pandemic? When we feel the loose ends, when we're unsure of the future, when we really are not in charge, when we are so incredibly vulnerable. A really good friend who accepts me, comforts me, holds me accountable, and never leaves me. I think Jesus in these days can be that true friend as we walk through some incredible, unknown waters and down some paths we've we'll never tread. In the story, Jesus was a friend, but Jesus also was more than just a friend. The difficult experience of the death of Lazarus was poignant and very moving. The encounter around the death was very revealing. There seemed to be some confusion of whether Lazarus was really dead or not, whether he was sleeping or whether he had really died. Jesus said that he was sleeping, and the disciples took him literally at his statement. He later clarified in verse 14 that Lazarus was dead. It was also declared that Lazarus was dead when Martha said he had been dead four days and there was a stench. You see, the Jews believe that one spirit left the body after the third day. So this is just further evidence that Lazarus was really dead. In verse 25, Jesus makes a statement of hope after Martha had acknowledged that the resurrection is an event far off. She believed in the resurrection and Lazarus would have been resurrected in the future. Jesus declared, I am the resurrection. And the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. Now, most of us have heard this statement about Jesus, particularly at funerals. However, I don't think we listen to the whole sentence. We stop at the word resurrection. When in fact Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He's simply making two facts, something about the future, resurrection, and something about the present, life. And we often miss the fact that Jesus is for us right now, right now in our lives, right now in the midst of the pandemic. Jesus is not an insurance policy for the future, Jesus is about living life to the fullest right now, regardless of what might come our way. We're told in the scriptures that Jesus calls out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out! And said to the men, unbind him and let him go. That many of the Jews who had come with Mary and seen what Jesus had done, believed in him. How often are we Lazarus in our own lives? How often do we cower in our own self-imposed graves? How often are we content not to see the light of Jesus Christ in our own lives? Yet this word from Christ is incredible good news. It is the lifeline for which we've been looking. It is good news then. It is also good news now. It's good news that for those of us in our graves behind stones rolled in front of us, Jesus says, Come out. It's good news for those of us who live out of fear instead of joy. Come out. It's good news for those of us full of anxiety over the pandemic. Come out. It's good news for those of us intimidated by a boss or a family member. Come out. It's good news for those of us fretting about the stock market. Come out. It's good news for those of us hiding in our caves and just don't feel worthy of anything. Come out. It's good news for those of us scared about our future. Jesus says, come out. It is good news for those of us trying to live a double life. And Jesus says, come out. For often in our life, we entomb ourselves. We're content to just let things go and figure it's our, quote, cross the bed. We feel we're helpless and have nowhere to turn. We feel that no one else cares, so why should we? And we bind ourselves up with our gray cloths, our feet and hands with strips of cloth, and are content to stay behind the stone. We're unwilling to let the resurrection and the life touch us and free us and embolden us. We're unwilling to let Jesus be our friend so that we can live life fully. The Greek word for life here is is zōē. It means a vibrant and energetic life lived for God's glory and praise. It's a life in which we are whole and complete and living, not for ourselves, but for God. It definitely is God-focused and God-centered in order for us to have a full life. It causes us to be infused about the things we do and the people we know. We're thrilled about living a life called by God for God's purpose. And the stress is not on us to figure everything out. Instead, it's on us to live fully and completely today and into the future. There is no better good news ever. And particularly now, good news as we trudge through some difficult and uncharted waters, times that are causing us to live life differently. Yet, if Jesus is the resurrection and the life, he calls us now in this moment to begin to live fully and completely, realizing opportunities and possibilities we only dreamed about, realizing a future that is glorious and meaningful, realizing whatever comes our way, God is there, even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Are you ready to shed those strips of cloth that bind you? Are you ready to allow Jesus to be your friend in a genuine way? Are you ready to come out into the light, even the light of the world, Jesus Christ, who will lead you in a new path and a new direction? My friends, it's a new day. And I challenge you to claim it for God's sake, now and into the future. Let us pray. Eternal God, it is a different day. It's a new day. It's one we've never seen before. And yet in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of this heartache, in the midst of not knowing what's going to happen next, we have good news. That we're called to live life now fully, completely, totally. Empower us to do that, O God. And in doing that, we give you thanks, praise, and honor. In the name of the light of the world, even Jesus Christ,